It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, head right on over to betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. Just use the promo code PODCAST1 for that 50% five zero welcome bonus. He is Joe Dolan, an absolute stud, number one ranked fantasy analyst in the world, according to fantasypros.com, over the last five years. Awesome. And Joe, this will be a truly rare and unique taping of the Fantasy Feast podcast today as we do episode one, episode two, from about 2.30 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to be having trades come down the pike while we're recording the show, and I will tee you up on that. It will be fantastic, but we will start with the Thursday night game. Let's start, Joe, Thursday night. The Red Hot 49ers taking on the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting game uh, here, Ross. The 49ers are in Arizona. They are eight-point favorites on the road, which suggests that their run game could be, once again, really important. Tevin Coleman uh, scored basically four touchdowns. Well, not basically. He did. He scored four touchdowns on 13 touches last week, which is absurd. That's Tecmo Bowl numbers. And with the 49ers as eight-point favorites on the road, they're going to get an opportunity uh, to do that again. And they could be without Matt Breida and Jeff Wilson. Breida left last week's game with an ankle injury. Jeff Wilson left it with a concussion. You would think Wilson for sure is not going to be available in this game. And we'll see about Breida, who last year, you might remember, was always hurt and still always played. So it was really interesting with Matt Breida, how he was able to fight through injuries last year. But with the short week, I would expect this to be a big time Tevin Coleman game for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the uh, One other thing that you need to point out with the 49ers, first and foremost, big George Kittle game. Arizona, we know their struggles with the tight end, and though that has quieted down a little bit recently, they still do struggle with the position. George Kittle is hungry. He has lost three touchdowns to penalties this year. You could see how frustrated he was last week when he knew, when he realized that his touchdown was going to come off the board uh, to a uh, to a pick play penalty against the Panthers. He was not happy. I expect him to bounce back in a big way. And we do have to talk about this receiving core. I've been mentioning all year long on the podcast that there really hasn't been a 49er receiver that we can sink our teeth into. There hasn't been one that we can really rely on. But in his first game with the 49ers, Emmanuel Sanders led all their wide receivers with five targets and with 82% of their snaps. And that was in his first game. That indicates to me that the 49ers have big plans for Emmanuel Sanders going forward, and it was at the direct detriment to Dante Pettis, who played 30% of the snaps a week after he was up and over 90% for the first time. So Emmanuel Sanders has eaten into Dante Pettis' role, and right now I have him as a wide receiver three for the rest of the season, and really the only 49er wide receiver that we can trust for fantasy. 
Um, what about the Arizona Cardinals on the other side, especially now that my guy Chase Edmonds got hurt? Yeah, he's out for a while here, Ross. Uh, looks like a multi-week absence with uh, with the hamstring injury. And they traded for Kenyon Drake. And you would anticipate with da- with both David Johnson and Chase Edmonds expected to miss this week that Kenyon Drake is going to be a, a really active part of their offense. However, it is worth pointing out that Drake's schedule is brutal coming up. He has a matchup with the 49ers, a very good defense, Tampa Bay, who have had been an excellent run defense, and then the 49ers again, and then he goes on by. I actually wouldn't be opposed to trying to trade Kenyon Drake with the perceived increase in his value. Now, if you don't find any biters and you think, hey, look, he's going to get 20 touches this week, it's fine to use him as a high-end flex, low-end RB2. Just be aware that this is a brutal matchup for a guy learning a new offense. It is not the greatest of weeks to be using Kenyon Drake. He is a volume-based flex, low-end RB2 this week. And the receivers and tight ends? Uh, well, the receivers, uh, unfortunately, it's been really bad news for Larry Fitzgerald. He hasn't gotten it done at all in recent weeks, and he had just four targets and two catches last week against the Saints. Meanwhile, Christian Kirk comes back, plays 86% of the snaps, has 11 targets and a carry. So Christian Kirk is back on the wide receiver three radar. I think Fitzgerald's a low-end wide receiver three. I much prefer Christian Kirk at this stage. Uh, He came back and looked healthy last week. And their tight ends, while they're using them more, none of them. Charles Clay, Max Williams are fantasy relevant. One, uh, let's get across the pond. It's a 9.30 a.m. game. Texans. Get an extra hour. Extra hour of sleep, Ross. Make sure you set your clock back. Oh, interesting. I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah so you get, you get that extra hour of sleep before you wake up and have breakfast, uh, breakfast with the Texans and the Jags. There you go. Okay, Texans at the Jags. Well, it's uh, worth pointing out that these two teams have played under the total in four of their last five games. So they play kind of they play kind of defensive style ba- uh, uh, battles. Though this game is one of the four highest lined games of the week with a projected total of forty seven and a half. There is not a whole lot of respect out there in the markets for these two defenses. Obviously, the Jaguars traded away Jalen Ramsey and uh, Houston has had major secondary issues. They had to go try and trade for for Gary and Conley to patch things up on the back end. Once again, they could be a team that makes a trade here. We're recording this at 2.30 on, on Tuesday. So in the next 90 minutes, they could be a team that makes a trade for somebody in the secondary. But starting with the Texan offense, uh, need to point out that the Texans are two-point favorites in this game, which you would think uh, lines this up to be kind of a, a, of a Carlos Hyde game. But uh, remember how ugly things were the last time these two teams played. Nothing really got going. So Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson both on the flex level. But obviously, with no Jalen Ramsey in this game, full systems go for DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson, and this passing game. DeAndre Hopkins, it's unfortunately been like pulling teeth a little bit with him. Once again, even though he was up and over 100 yards receiving last week, he averaged under 10 yards per carry, uh, per reception. But I think with no Jalen Ramsey, the Jaguar corners play sides right now. I think this is a big game for DeAndre Hopkins for him to get going. And for Kenny Stills, who was a disappointment last week, did not get it done in a good matchup. I think there's an opportunity for Kenny Stills to make a play down the field in this game. I would still consider rolling with him as a wide receiver three. Um, Anything else that needs to be said for the Texans before moving on to the Jags? 
Well, I mean, people are asking me about Darren Fells, and Darren Fells is, is kind of somebody us us in the fantasy industry have had a blind spot for because he's been in the league for seemingly 20 years and he's never been fantasy relevant. And then all of a sudden he comes out and he seems to be scoring two touchdowns every other week. Uh, he's on pace for a career year. Uh, he caught all six of his targets last week. He scored two touchdowns against the Raiders. He already has a career high five touchdowns and he has eight games to be played. The problem is he seems like one of those guys who you're going to pick the wrong week to play because Jordan Akins is still available. They run a lot of two tight end sets. He is merely a streaming tight end option for me at this point. For the Jaguars, I thought Minshew was much better. And man, he's doing a nice job getting the ball to DJ Chark and others. Uh, DJ Chark, after a couple quiet games, he gets 12 targets. He gets in the end zone. One thing we need to keep an eye on, what is the status of D.D. Westbrook? He came into last week with that shoulder injury. He left early with the shoulder injury. And that becomes really important because against this banged-up Houston secondary, I think Minshew is a viable streaming quarterback. But DJ Chark, who had 12 targets and a touchdown last week, he is a high-end wide receiver too this week. But if D.D. Westbrook doesn't go, I could be interested and I could be convinced to play Chris Conley this week. Uh, Conley has stepped up the last couple of weeks. He has seven catches for 186 yards and a touchdown on 14 targets in two good matchups against the Bengals and the Jets. However, this is another good matchup. We talked about the deficiencies that the Texans have in the secondary. So Chris Conley, if D.D. Westbrook doesn't play, it's a viable streaming option this week if you really need to look on the lower end. Plus, you know, they also don't have J.J. Watt, so of course. Um, that hurts the pass rush, so that's interesting. Um, Fournette, how are you feeling about him? Uh, if there is a guy that you need to bet on to have 25 touches any given week, I think first I would bet on Christian McCaffrey, and second I would bet on Leonard Fournette. Uh, I- I'm not sure it's the greatest of matchups here. He struggled in his last time out against the Texans. Uh, he's up near, uh, if not over, a 1,000 yards from scrimmage this year and has only one touchdown. There is positive touchdown regression coming for Leonard Fournette, who is playing better football. It is worth pointing out, yes, I know, on his first carry last week against the Jets, he had a 66-yard run and gained just 10 yards on his other 18 carries. But the thing about Fournette is that he is seriously involved in the passing game. Another seven targets last week. He is a locked and loaded RB1. Let's dive into the Colts. I'm sorry. Let's dive into the Bears and the Eagles. Bears offense in general is ugly, especially in the red zone, Joe. But they, uh, they did get David Montgomery going, and Allen Robinson is still good at football. Yeah, he's really good. Unfortunately for the Bears and Matt Nagy, he had to answer the question this week. Are you playing Mitchell Trubisky? And Ross, you know, when that question gets asked, it's over. I know he's still the starting quarterback as of now, but it's over. It, it, it's barring a, a, a significant turnaround. Mitchell Trubisky is not going to be the quarterback of the Bears next year. And the presence of Mitchell Trubisky as the starter has really limited what we can do with this offense. It's Allen Robinson, who we'll see if the Eagles make a move here. Their secondary has been better since getting Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby back. But uh, Allen Robinson, I am I have in my lineup as a wide receiver, too. And it was good to see David Montgomery. 32 opportunities last week. 27 carries and five targets. 
But Matt Nagy didn't trust him at the end of the game to gain an extra couple yards on what could have made that field goal for Eddie Pinheiro a little bit easier. So there still seems to be a lack of trust level in David Montgomery. And as we know, that Eagle run defense is really good. It's the part of their defense that really, aside from one game against Ezekiel Elliott, has not been exploited all year. So we know that this is not a great matchup to be playing David Montgomery in, despite the 32 uh, uh, opportunities last week. He is more of an RB2 on the low-end flex type of play for me. Allen Robinson is the guy I am playing as a wide receiver too, and everybody else from the Bears with this uh, uh, beleaguered Mitchell Trubisky, I'm ignoring the rest of them. Got it. Okay. And then on the flip side for the Eagles, they ran it very effectively. Still going, though, against a pretty good Bears defense. Yeah, Bears defense being overshadowed, of course, Ross, by uh, by the fact that the Patriots are getting it done. I will say this, though. The Bears have been really beaten up on the ground the last couple of weeks. Uh, uh, they, they've given up six touchdowns to running backs over the last month, a number of 100-yard rushers. We'll see the status of Miles Sanders, who left that Bills game uh, for the Eagles with a shoulder injury. Everything seems to indicate he is fine. And you have to point it out, this is a Jordan Howard revenge game and the Eagles are five point favorites I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles make a move here soon for a deep threat if this would become uh, closer to a touchdown I would anticipate Jordan Howard to get the ball 15 to 20 times in this game I am firing him up as an RB2 I am firing Miles Sanders up as an RB3 flex type of option this week Uh, that would be my focus I think we'll reevaluate Carson Wentz's status uh, if the Eagles if we get positive news on Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Jackson and or if the Eagles were to acquire a speedy wide receiver on the perimeter uh, today at the trade deadline, I would think there's more upside for Wentz. But I do expect this is going to be like most of the Eagles offense recently built around the run game. And with those tight ends, Ertz and especially Dallas Goddard across the middle of the field, Wentz has, has gotten eyes for Goddard recently because he really needs players who can make plays after the catch because he doesn't have anybody who can get open down the field. And those two guys, the guys who have been doing the most after the catch for the Eagles have been Dallas Goddard and Miles Sanders. And that's why those two guys have been the focus of the passing game. Anything else on the Eagles side of things before we move on to Colts dealers? Yeah, I understand that Zach Ertz has been really, really disappointing. I think you just have to roll with him. The problem is Ertz, even at his best, was never a yards after the catch guy. And right now, Goddard gives them more in that department. Things will look better for Zach Ertz when Deshaun Jackson gets back and or if the Eagles were to acquire a deep threat at the trade deadline, somebody that can be that can opener to take the top off the defense and make the windows just bigger across the middle of the field because everything right now is so restricted. Uh, you saw um, you, you saw for the Bills last week, they put Tredavious White, their top corner, on Zach Ertz. This is because the, nobody fears the rest of the Eagles receiving weapons. The Eagles need to address that, whether that's by getting Deshaun back, Jackson back, making a move, or both. It's the Colts at the Steelers, another Sunday 1 o'clock game. The Colts weren't really impressive offensively no, on weren't. Sunday against the Broncos. They found a way to get it done. What do you think for them on the road against the Steelers? 
Uh, well, the Steelers' defense is, is really impressing me, and I, I will still contend that I think the Minka Fitzpatrick trade was a huge mistake for the Steelers. I don't think they're contending for the playoffs, and I don't know how you're going to feel any better about that after watching them on Monday night against the Dolphins. Uh, their defense is good, though. Like you, Minka Fitzpatrick is a good player, so Jacoby Brissett was a disappointing uh, option last week. I actually liked him as a streamer, and he made an unbelievable throw at the end of that game to set up the game-winning field goal to help set up the game-winning field goal. Uh, throwing while rolling to his right out of his own end zone, and he just put it into a narrow window for T.Y. Hilton. But other than that, the passing game was not very good, and you can see that they're limited weapon-wise. It's really T.Y. Hilton and a bunch of guys that they don't really trust otherwise. They played Zach Pascal at 92% of the snaps last week, and he had only two targets. That shows you where their wide receivers are. So Jacoby Brissett needs to get it done with high-end touchdown efficiency. And unfortunately, even though he's up near the NFL lead in that category, it's not really something that we consider sustainable. Okay. What what is sustainable for the Colts? What do, What should we be thinking about? Well, you would think that the run game is what's going to be sustainable with Marlon Mack. Now, uh, the offensive line is strong, but they're actually, uh, this is a pick game, a one-point line either way, depending on where you look at it, which means the run game should be able to stay close. Marlon Mack got in the end zone last week after a disappointing game. He had 20 opportunities. I would anticipate that Marlon Mack gets the ball up near 20 times in this one. Steelers, uh, James Conner left last night's game at the very end with a shoulder injury. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mason Rudolph really struggled for a while. Made some throws, but... It was a series of individual plays. You were there at that game, Ross. Uh, it just it felt like a series of individual plays for Rudolph, where he'd make one bad play and then one good one, and then another couple bad ones, and then a couple of good ones. It never felt like they really got into a rhythm with the passing game. Correct. Um, he just didn't look like he was comfortable in the pocket, didn't look like uh, he held the ball too long. But finally, after Xavier Howard and Ken Webster were both out of the game, he just started throwing nine routes and – Juju made some plays and there was some pass interference or whatever the case might be. What do you have for the Steelers at home against the Colts? Uh, well, Juju Smith-Schuster, I like that he got the ball down the field last week. Uh, that was something that was nice to see Monday night against the Dolphins. Uh, he's kind of a guy who you've just got to play as a uh, as a wide receiver, too, and just hope for the best. Um, the Colts have Pierre Desir actually shadowing selectively. I wonder if, uh, if, if Juju Smith-Schuster is going to get that treatment, although he does play in the slot. Um, so that's something that's interesting for me, but... The one thing I need to point out is the way that they're using Deontay Johnson. Uh, Mason Rudolph was back, obviously, and he really focused on Deontay Johnson. He was back to being a viable wide receiver three last week or Monday night against the Dolphins. Um, In three full games with Rudolph, Johnson has 14-plus fantasy points in a touchdown in each game including 213 receiving yards. So he is a wide receiver three, and he is, when they move Juju into the slot, their most explosive perimeter option. Right now, James Washington is really struggling. He had just one catch on six targets. Deontay Johnson is the number two wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers and a viable wide receiver three in this matchup with the Colts. Um, What do we do with running back position? 
Uh, it's a wait and see approach here. It doesn't look like James Connor's injury is particularly serious, but if Jalen Samuels is on your waiver wire, you need to go pick him up because not only is James Connor dinged up, but Benny Snell got hurt. Uh, in the second half of that game, left with a knee injury. Jalen Samuels appears to be getting closer. And the thing about Samuels is, even if Benny Snell is okay to play, if Samuels goes, he's ahead of Snell on the depth chart. So Jalen Samuels, at this early stage in the week when we don't know about James Conner, needs to be picked up because he could be in line for a potential big role in a pick football game. We can move on then uh, to the Jets and the Dolphins. Wow. It's an interesting game to be breaking down at 2.50 p.m. Eastern time, not knowing what's going to happen with either one of these teams, especially the Jets at the trade deadline. But as currently constituted, what do you got? Well, the, we don't know what the Jets are going to do. They could trade Jamal Adams. They could trade Le'Veon Bell. They could trade They could trade Robbie Anderson. Um, the one guy I'm focusing on is could they get Chris Herndon back? Because uh, Ryan Griffin, the tight end, scored two touchdowns last week. Um, if, if he gets, if Chris Herndon comes back, he was somebody who I viewed as somebody that Sam Darnold would really focus on. I think uh, Chris Herndon could be in line for a big role, but it's really, really hard right now to say exactly how to value this team. If Robbie Anderson, uh, is going to be gone, if potentially Le'Veon Bell is going to be gone. Uh, I will say this though, if Robbie Anderson doesn't get moved, the Dolphins are unlikely to have Xavier Howard in this game. Yeah, in fact, uh, they just put him on IR. Yeah. Oh, they did. Uh, yeah. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a long-term player for them. He's somebody they've extended. Somebody that they're not planning on uh, on trading, obviously. So, uh, yeah, Xavier Howard not in this game. If Robbie Anderson does not get moved. Oh, and by the way, Adam Schefter just reported that they don't expect to trade Le'Veon Bell. Um, I would say that the Jets here, even though they're going to be narrow favorites against the Dolphins. Why would you not use Le'Veon Bell in this game? It's been frustrating for fantasy, but he has to be on the RB2 radar. Um, okay. Anything else on the Jets? We hit running back. We hit wide receiver. Well, he didn't really totally hit wide receiver. What do you think? Uh, for the Jets, I mean, I would think Jamison Crowder would get a ton of targets if Robbie Anderson gets moved. If Robbie Anderson doesn't get moved, he is certainly viable in this matchup against a weak Dolphin secondary. What about, um, is Darnold someone you would consider for streaming against the Dolphins without Howard or? Uh, uh, only if Robbie Anderson doesn't get moved. Let's put it that way. Because this offensive line is still bad, and the Do Dolphins are playing well, uh, about as well as can be expected defensively, given the circumstances. They actually got after Mason Rudolph uh, last uh, on Monday night. On the other side, the Dolphins offensively, uh, they're majoring in Mark Walton. And uh, Preston Williams ran about a million slants. I don't know why they didn't keep doing that in the second half. Yeah, he played 88% of the snaps and got seven targets. He and Devontae Parker are like the mini versions of, of, of uh, Corey Davis and A.J. Brown in Tennessee, where you're like, they're kind of rosterable, but you never really want to play them, and you only want to play them in desperation. But both of them would be viable wide receiver threes in this matchup against a Jets secondary, especially if the Jets move on from, from Jamal Adams, which is certainly possible as we sit an hour away from the trade deadline here. Uh, maybe even Ryan Fitzpatrick in a super deep league you could consider maybe for DFS, but in the backfield, 
This entire thing belongs to Mark Walton. He played 87% of the snaps, and I know he had a bad fumble, but he had 11 carries and six targets, and Kalen Balazs might be the worst player in the NFL. So Mark Walton, it, this is his his backfield. He's on the RB2 radar in a matchup that could be closer than most of the Dolphins' games this year. Um, Vikings at the Chiefs, another Sunday 1 o'clock game. It's an interesting one. Why don't you start with the Vikings, who are – Really playing well. Yeah, the Vikings are, are playing super well. Now, the question here is um, what's going to be the status of Patrick Mahomes? And I think it's important for both sides here because we need to know what the projected game flow is going to be, Ross, because we don't know that right now. Uh, you would think now, as, as good a job as Andy Reid did last week, scheming up things for Matt Moore, the Chiefs are obviously going to have a higher ceiling offensively if, if, uh, if, uh, Patrick Mahomes plays. So if Patrick Mahomes plays, um, this is going to be a much higher scoring game. However, either way, I expect this to be a big time Dalvin Cook game. So far this year, the Kansas City Chiefs have given up the second most fantasy points to opposing running backs. Fire up Dalvin Cook with with without any hesitation whatsoever. Not that you weren't doing that anyway, but he should be a core play for DFS and in season long. Dalvin Cook, I'm I'm projecting for a huge game this week against the Kansas City Chiefs whether or not Patrick Mahomes plays. And then uh, receivers for the Vikings. What, what are you telling people about Thielen? Well, if Thielen plays, then I would play him in this matchup against Kansas City. Uh, the problem is we don't have the practice reports just yet. And coming off those hamstring injuries, they can be really, really tricky. But I do know that Stefan Diggs has been freaking phenomenal of late. He is somebody who is on the wide receiver one radar, whether or not Adam Thielen plays in this game. And by the way, by by uh, extension, that makes Kirk Cousins appealing in this game. Though Cousins, to me, is much more appealing if it's projected that he's going to have to go toe to toe in this one with Patrick Mahomes. Um, anything on the tight end, Rudolph or no? Uh, I t- Kyle Rudolph just doesn't mean anything to me. Um, uh, they're going to give Irv Smith more targets. He's somebody to probably watch down the stretch to see if they use him a little bit more. But right now, I don't want to play either of these tight ends. On the other side, how about the Chiefs? Matt Moore did some Played good well. things. Uh, the the one question I have for the Chiefs is, what do we do with this backfield? Because LaShawn McCoy has been fine. I wouldn't say he's been great. Uh, and he had the fumble last week, and they took him out, and then they brought in Damian Williams. They're trying to mix Daryl Williams in. It honestly feels like that they're at this point. They're they're trying to they're trying to be a little too cute here. Damian Williams seems like he's been really effective when he's played to me. Um, and, and I don't understand why they're trying to force Daryl Williams in there. I don't know if it's a pass protection thing or not, but right now this backfield's a mess and it's really relegated LaShawn McCoy to being a flex at best. And you're taking a prayer on the other guys. We'll see if the chiefs make a move at running back here in the next hour. But, uh, but it, it, right now uh, it's, it's a bunch of flex guys and it's really not that appealing though. Of course the ceiling is raised if Patrick Mahomes is out there. The good news for the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill is probably going to see a lot of Xavier Rhodes, and Xavier Rhodes can't run. So Tyreek Hill, I am projecting for a massive game this week against Xavier Rhodes. He has the name, but he doesn't have the legs anymore. Nobody's got the legs to keep up with Tyreek Hill, but certainly not Xavier Rhodes. Um, What else for the Chiefs that should we know about? 
Well, Travis Kelsey caught a touchdown, but he dropped one. Uh, he's He's been kind of frustrating, but you just lock and load him. Uh, Matt Moore, if he goes, he is uh, he's not really a viable streaming quarterback. Minnesota hasn't been as tough a matchup as you think. Uh, they're kind of mediocre against opposing quarterbacks, but I really wouldn't like uh, wouldn't like to use him uh, in this matchup against this pass rush. Obviously, if Mahomes goes, though, Ross, you're firing him up. You always play Patrick Mahomes. Titans are at the Panthers, another Sunday 1 o'clock game. Titans found a way to win again with Ryan Tannehill. What does that mean fantasy-wise? Well, unfortunately, it didn't mean anything for their wide receivers because it was like pulling teeth for them. And if you used A.J. Brown, you were just uh, thrilled that he got a touchdown at the end of the game. Uh, He caught only two passes. It didn't get done uh, with Corey Davis, which was super frustrating uh, last week. Corey Davis uh, saw six targets, played just 62% of the snaps. So they had none of their wide receivers played more than 62% of the snaps. The Titans love playing three tight end sets. They had three tight ends last week who were up and over 57% of their snaps. And that meant Jonu Smith was kind of their star receiver. And if I'm the Titans... I make sure Jonu Smith is now my primary tight end the rest of the season. Uh, Delaney Walker essentially missed his second straight game. It was a full game and most of one other. And on seven targets last week, Jonu Smith managed six catches for 78 yards and a touchdown. If I if I have Delaney Walker, I mentioned this last week, but if I have Delaney Walker for fantasy, I'm just I'm I'm cutting him right now. I'm not dealing with that headache of of, of a, whether he's going to play or not each and every week. The Titans need to make an added focus. On Jonu Smith, he's somebody that they need to get uh, more targets to because he's really talented. Carolina has been just a, a, a overall a mediocre to poor matchup for opposing tight ends, but Ryan Tannehill has really shown a, a willingness to throw the ball uh, to Jonu Smith. Okay, so what about Carolina? I mean, we know about McCaffrey. It was a mm-hmm. major step back for them out in San Francisco. Kyle Allen, not a good game. He's still starting in this one. What do you got? Well, uh, I would worry about Kyle Allen here because they finally cracked the code uh, teams on getting him to throw an interception, and he threw three of them. And I think Tennessee, while not as good a defense uh, as as San Francisco, Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator, I think is going to draw up some really exotic pressures. And here's the good news uh, for the Titans' defense. They got owned last week by Mike Evans, but Mike Evans – has seven inches on both of their perimeter corners. They don't have that problem against DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, who are more the smaller guys who I think the Titans can match up with. And Logan Ryan, their slot corner, is one of the best in the entire NFL at that. So this is a really tough matchup for Kyle Allen in this passing game. I think uh, Samuel and DJ Moore are wide receiver threes at best in this game. What else? I mean, is there anything else to say, Greg Olson? Uh, Greg Olson is one of the single most boring fantasy assets on planet Earth. He played 78% of the snaps last week, and he got two targets. The Titans have actually been exploitable by tight ends, but unfortunately my streaming play of Cameron Brait didn't come through last week. Uh, the Titans were able to, to slow him down, force turnovers. This is a bad matchup for everybody, in my opinion, except for Christian McCaffrey, because Christian McCaffrey has a good matchup against everybody. This is a bad matchup, though. This is a defense that just forced four turnovers, which Jameis Winston, and we're looking at Kyle Allen, who's had a fumble, uh, who's had a fumble problem, and then threw three interceptions last week. This is a really bad matchup uh, for the Carolina Panthers. Last one in this episode: 
Joe, it's the Redskins. Yay. At the Bills. Yay. This does not (laughs) strike me as a big fantasy game. Uh, No, and Rossi, you should be setting lines out in Vegas because I have some news for you. This is by far the projected lowest scoring game of the week with Washington and Buffalo at 37 points. That is four points lower than the Jets in Miami and Tennessee, Carolina. So the the markets by far have this as the lowest scoring game of the week. And I totally agree with you. Not a great fantasy game. One of the things I'm focusing on for the Buffalo Bills, are they going to get Devin Singletary, who's just a more explosive player than Frank Gore, the ball more? And he scored last week against the Eagles on a screen pass. I think they need to get him the ball more. The problem is, until we actually see them commit to it, it's hard to trust him as anything more than a flex play. And it's really frustrating. So right now, I have Devin Singletary as a low-end flex, Frank Gore as a low, low, low-end flex. I have um, I have John Brown as a high-end wide receiver, too, against this bad Washington secondary. Josh Allen as a stream-worthy quarterback against this defense, but the rest of it, uh, not really a whole lot unless you want to throw Cole Beasley into uh, into a lineup as, as, as kind of a low-end wide receiver three and see if he scores like he did against Philadelphia. Hard to get much of a read, though, on that Buffalo passing game last week in those nasty, windy conditions that they played against Philadelphia. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, Allen's mobility is impressive. That that's the thing. That that's the best part of what Josh Allen's got going by far. Oh, no, there's no doubt about it. And you can see last week watching that game against Philadelphia again with with, with respect to the conditions. You can see why, A, he's a very frustrating player to root for, but, B, why he also must be so frustrating to play against. Because I could count multiple times the Eagles had him wrapped up, and all of a sudden he manages to escape into into a a wide open middle of the field and pick up 10 yards on a scramble. On the other hand, how many times did we see him escape pressure only to either overthrow or underthrow a wide open wide receiver. Uh, he's certainly somebody who's frustrating to to, to uh, root for and frustrating to play against. But damn, as a neutral observer, Ross, he is fun to watch. Like uh, you just never know what you're going to get on any play with him, both good and bad, and that makes him a fun watch for me. On the Redskins side, how about uh, Darius Geis? Uh, Darius Geis, uh, it looks like they're going to plan for him to be back. Maybe not this week, but in the near future. And unfortunately, that would just muddy things up in this backfield because Adrian Peterson's been playing really well. But Peterson, I actually talked to him a couple weeks ago on SiriusXM, and he talked about the mindset of getting more carries where he just gets into a groove. He gets into a comfort zone. And if if Darius Geis is coming in and taking carries, well, then there's going to be Geis and Peterson not getting in the comfort zone. We don't know about Chris Thompson with the toe injury. He's actually my preferred running back here. Um, And unfortunately for Terry McLaurin, he's going to get shadow coverage from Tredavious White. So Terry McLaurin is a serious downgrade to a wide receiver three. I don't like any of the running backs with the exception of maybe Thompson if he plays against Buffalo. Washington is the projected lowest scoring team of the week with a total of 13. This is a really, really, really awful spot for all of Washington's skill players. Excellent work, Joe. As always, love it. Episode one, just about in the books. I want to give people one more tip for fantasy football advice, and that's Pole Sports. I've been telling you guys about Pole Sports, the online site that allows you to get instant fantasy football advice through real-time polls. You create a poll with your custom league settings, then you get votes and advice 
from credible fantasy players answering questions such as who to start, who would win a trade, who to drop, who to pick up, etc. Best of all, Poll Sports, completely free to use, no paywalls of any kind. Head on over to pollsports.com to set up your free account and get instant advice today. That's pollsports.com for a free account and instant advice today. My advice would be to check out the power rankings on today's Ross Tucker football podcast as well as my breakdown of the best press box food I've had in quite some time. Highly, highly encourage you to check that out. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Also had the College Draft Podcast today. We will record part two of the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast right now and get it in your podcast app shortly after midnight. I'm stuffed. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.